Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 145 of One Before I Die. Coming at you August 1st, we are recording here. Beginning of August, summer moving along. Inching closer and closer to football season. We are live in studio, Ethan, right across from me. <laughs> About three feet, using one mic, so we're pretty close together here. Um, but Ethan is in town for a few weeks, so, you know, the luxury of being able to record the podcast in person here. Um, done it a couple times, and you know, another one in person right now. So Ethan, how are you? Good. Feels good to be back in town. Am I, am I loud enough here? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, I got to hit Bill's training camp this, this morning. So was boots on the ground, getting a fresh scouting look at the boys. Um, yeah, feels good. Yeah. So I think today's episode, we were just talking beforehand on what we kind of want to do. Um, I mean, it nothing's you know nothing much has changed necessarily since last week, except for, I guess the one you know the one big piece of information that just came out uh, yesterday, actually, as you know we were recording this, um, in the NFL is that the Deshaun Watson suspension has been granted. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, that does relate to the Bills a little bit as well because we do play the Browns this year, and that is after his suspension. So we'll talk about that and what that means for the Bills, um, and just in general. Um, but yeah, training camp has been rolling on. Uh, Ethan, as he said, was there um, Monday morning, yesterday morning. I have not been able to go, but Ethan was able to go and just kind of catch a little bit of the live the live squad there, and maybe he'll report a little bit about you know what he saw. And just uh, I guess we'll talk about some nuggets from training camp this past week. Just stuff you know that went on social media. Obviously, a few injury updates. Um, Josh Allen getting a little. Uh, you know, handsy with maybe one of the defensive players, just kind of some updates we'll go through and, and, and just kind of keep it casual. And then I believe we have a guest of Buffalo sports figure on the back end. Haven't done that in a while, and I think it's probably a good time to do it right now as there's not a ton to talk about. And so we'll just have some fun with that at the end of the episode. But I guess without further ado, let's get right into it. We'll talk training camp first, talk all about everything that went down with it and, and just the storylines of it so far. And then we'll move on to the other stuff. So Training camp to begin with, I think the biggest news maybe last week was the Micah Hyde injury. Um, Micah Hyde obviously suffered, I, I I forget what it was. Was it a lower body injury? It might have been a, I thought it was like, it was a, like a thigh. Groin. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I guess a groin injury, but to be honest, I mean, I, I you know, there's not much to talk about with that. I mean, he's back. He was back practicing. He was back practicing yesterday as we're recording this today. So it seemed like it was just more maybe play on the cautious side of things. You never that. I guess that's the one thing. Maybe we can talk about it this way. The one thing about training camp is like we're all hype up to get back to football season. We're all ready to get you know see the boys back at St. John Fisher. Um, you know, seeing the intros to the players, the new players are loving it again. I mean, obviously we've talked about this last week. I think with COVID, there wasn't any training camp with fans. It's great to see that again. Von Miller running through, getting his love. Um, and so we're all hyped up. But the fact of the matter is that, like, usually there's a few injuries here or there that, like, happen in training camp. Like, we always forget, I feel like, over the summer that football, you know, injuries happen very, very easily and very often. And so that is also, like, the downside of coming back is, like, these guys are at risk. And Micah Hyde was the first kind of wake-up call back to that, realizing, like, oh, crap, like, this guy – you know, just got banged up, and luckily it wasn't too serious. But I mean, that's on the table here. That I feel like it's something we always forget about getting back to camp and everything is like we gotta ha- you know have a healthy team going into the season. We have all these expectations, we have all this hype around us, so excited to be back. But 
got to make sure we stay healthy. Um, and I mean, Ethan, I think you're looking up the, the mm-hmm. report on it right now. So if you want to fill in here, but glad to hear that. He, I think he's back and, and practicing again. Yeah. He's, he was back on Monday, uh, after three, three days after leaving the field at St. John Fisher on a cart. Um, the bills said that it was a, a hip slash glute injury. Um, and they declared him day to day Saturday with hip soreness. Um, so today he was back. He was, he was pretty limited, uh, to individual work, but he was on the field fully suited up. So it was good to see, good to see that. Um, he didn't participate in, in the actual like seven on seven or 11 on 11 team drills, but, and, or, are pads on now? Is that a pads, thing? Pads are on. So is that, is that, is this the first week with pads or was last week pads? I'm not sure. I was only there today. So they wore <laughs> okay. pads Monday. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Hyde didn't, didn't participate in the, in the team drills, only individual, but he was on the field. He was moving around pretty good though. So that was good to see. Obviously he's a veteran, doesn't really need to earn a spot. Doesn't really need to prove anything out there right now. Just got to be healthy come week one. So they're obviously going to be ca- cautious with him, but yeah, I mean, injuries, we always seem to have, you know, one or two big injuries come training camp. People usually forget about that, but, um, Hopefully well, this is the last we're going to see out of out of any any kind of major injuries from our key guys here going forward. Yeah, well, a cu- couple of questions here. One is, when you were there, did you see anything? I, I mean, obviously you don't have any insider information or anything, but did you see Trey White at all? Was he doing his little like he rehab was, stuff off to the side? He was there. He was kind of just running around. He wasn't in any gear, obviously. He was just in shorts and a t-shirt, just mm-hmm. with the corners and with the DBs, you know, t- talking it up. He was... He Have you heard anything about around, when he when he should be back? No, I don't know. So okay, I you know I, people were saying what November early in the year, but then pe- some people are saying earlier now. So we'll see what happens there. He definitely he was jogging around a little bit, but you could tell he was limping. So he was definitely okay. not fully back. Um, just a couple key takeaways from what I saw today or yesterday, as you guys were listening to this on Monday. Um, some guys that stood out to me: Isaiah McKenzie looked really good. Um, and so did Jamison Crowder out of the wideouts. Uh, they were really smooth. I think McKenzie kind of looks like he even turned his game up a notch from from last year. We had a really good year. Um, I don't know, maybe the number six making him look a little bit more smooth than <laughs> than usual. But he he looked like he was more comfortable. He looked like he was more of a veteran. He's a guy that's been on this team for a few years now, and he has relationships with Diggs and Gabe Davis. So. He's kind of really solidifying himself as part of the core receiving group, so I like that out of him. And Jamison Crowder, um, he real he's a he's a small guy. I think he's even smaller than Isaiah McKenzie, but he was very shifty, really smooth, sure-handed. Definitely going to be, I think, um, a nice addition to this team after losing Cole Beasley. Some guys in in the same in the same vein in the receiver room. Uh, Khalil Shakir, the Rick, the rookie, looked kind of shaky out there. Oh, really? Yeah, he. he did People it. have been like hyping him up. I was I gonna know. ask you about him next. Yeah, he he was out there uh, returning some punts that and he dropped a couple punts, um, dropped a couple passes. He looks good athletically, but I just his hands look kind of shaky, and I don't know if it's a confidence thing, it's a rookie thing. I mean, Gabriel Davis as a rookie, I think, had some issues catching the football. So 
I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. It seems to be there's four receivers that are a clear, clear cut to make the team. I'm guessing they're probably going to keep, I mean, they're going to keep at least five, but probably six. It's going to be interesting to see who they end up keeping uh, with this receiver group. Honestly, uh, Isaiah Hodgkins, Hodgkins, uh, um, who they drafted the same year as Gabriel mm-hmm. Davis, who's been hurt. He looked pretty good in my opinion in camp today. So we'll see who they end up keeping there. Uh, and they also had Tavon Austin working. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. What, yeah, what's the what's the loadout on him? Is he gonna is he gonna make the team? You think or I don't know. Well, he the thing with him though is he's he's kind of a similar receiver to McKenzie and Crowder. So if you're gonna keep and another, Shakir, yeah. Well, I'm just saying if you're gonna keep <laughs> another guy, he might be the odd man out just because you yeah. got a, got two small shifty guys. Um, I'm so I'm surprised I'm surprised that of your. I guess what you saw from Shakir, just because I mean, every everywhere I go on social media, all I can see is that he's been the standout of camp so far. So maybe just inconsistent, I guess. To you know, he's gonna have a few bad days as a rookie. Um, but yeah, I was I was interested to ask you about him. Um, the other question I wanted to ask, and it, and it maybe related back to that a little bit injuries, kind of. And I don't know if this is like I don't remember if in camp this is just kind of how it goes because they want to keep guys fresh. But from an O-line perspective, I feel like there's been a bunch of O-line guys that haven't been playing, and like yeah. they had like Bobby Hart as a starter. Like, is yeah, that just started. what they're doing because of like O-line? That it's it's a lot different, or like do we are, are we do we have real concerns going into the year about our O-line? And like Saffold, I think hasn't played a snap yet in, in training camp. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if you know anything more than I do. All I know is that I've been seeing not the O-line that I envisioned in my head going into the year. Like I haven't seen them all together yet, so I don't know what the concern is there. If this is how it goes every year then like okay my bad I just didn't you know pick up on that um but like do you know anything about the O-line no I don't but I can tell you today or at at training camp Monday Bates was not dressed uh Spencer Brown was not playing I I he was like in and out so he didn't play 11 on 11 they had um Tommy Doyle playing right tackle for him um, and then also Bobby Hart was playing left guard for the starting. Like starting on the line was a mishmash of guys. That's what I'm saying. Besides Morse and Dawkins, those were the only two starters that were on the starting on the line. And honestly, they didn't look very good. So hoping that I feel like it's a, it's a hard to like gauge O line when it's not a real game. Yeah, I mean because they're not they're obviously you're not they're going not full hard, force. Right. So it it is a little bit hard, but. I'm interested. I mean, it's a good point. Like Saffold, yeah, he he wasn't even out there. Uh, like I said, Tommy Doyle or sorry, uh, Bates wasn't even dressed. Um, and then Spencer Brown was in and out. Cody Ford was playing second team, so he wasn't even like filling in on that first team, which was interesting. Okay. Um, is Bacher still on the team? Sorry, I think so. Because I didn't see him out there either. That that might be bad if he's not on the team. And <laughs> check. But. Yeah, the o, the O line was getting worked around a little bit. It was it was interesting to see. It was it was weird watching the D line today because you sometimes you had like Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson in there, um, and so it was like a little blast from the past. It felt like watching those guys play on the field at the same time. Um, you said Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like yeah, it looks like Bucker is on the team. Yeah, so I didn't see him out there either. Um, um, but okay, all right. We'll transition away from the O line, and, and I, I kind of want to. I was gonna go to the, the D line there, and not necessarily talk about the D line specifically. But 
you bringing up Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, I think is just a good transition into the scuffle, you know, heard around the world in Bill's, you know, land. Uh, I believe what what did that happen on? Did that happen Friday, Saturday? I think maybe over the weekend, but. Um, as everybody listening to this probably knows, I believe it was over the weekend at one of the weekend practices. Uh, the you know the Bills were doing their seven on seven or 11, whatever it was. They were you know scrimmaging and it was down at the goal line and Josh Allen did a QB draw and, and ended up scoring on the play. And I think Jordan Phillips gave him a little nudge. Josh Allen didn't like that nudge. He went back at him and it was like your classic you know training camp fight in football. Um, I mean, it wasn't huge. It was just kind of a, you know, a big huddle and then it ended up getting broken up. There was a video of it that came out. Someone, you know, took it from the goal right behind the end zone, actually. So it was actually a pretty good view of it. Um, and then you had guys like jumping on the pile after, and I don't know how serious it was. I mean, from the, from the reporters tweets and from what I read online, it seemed like Josh Allen was very, very upset by it. Now, if we're going to give our takes on this, and I know that I'll start here. I, I'm not worried about it at all. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's it, it's it's training camp football. The blood's flowing again. You got the pads on. Like this is just what it's all about. I mean, this is just physical sports, right? Like you you're gonna get you're competitive. You're gonna get in each other's faces. Whatever. I think Josh Allen even tweeted something out after you know, you know the day after the scuffle, saying like it's you know everything's okay, blah blah blah. But if I'm looking at the actual play, I think Josh like overreacted to this. Like if you, if you're looking from the video and I know I wasn't there, so maybe the, you know, if you're there, you, you have a different take on it or you saw something or you could maybe be in the boat of like, I don't care how little of a nudge it is. Why are you even like risking going after your franchise quarterback, whatever. But from the video that I saw, and Ethan, I don't know, like if you have a different take on it, like, and again, I don't have an issue with it. Like I kind of actually like a little bit of a fight, but Josh should be in a little bit over dramatic in my opinion. I mean, he didn't, he got, he barely got touched. And it's what it seemed like in that, in the video. Yeah. And, and I get, and I get the franchise quarterback thing that didn't even cross my mind. Like that wasn't even a, a slight. And again, I wasn't there, but it seemed like, you know, he's crossing the goal line. You give him a little shoulder you know, it's not going to hurt him. And he kind of just, you know, went back at him, which again, I don't mind, but it's like, if you, you know, there's people out there probably just coming into his defense, no matter what, it's like, just relax, Josh. Yeah. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's just a heat of the moment, moment thing. Yeah. I don't I don't care if you're a franchise quarterback or if you're a guy that's trying to make the team. Like, when you're competing out there in training camp, these guys are all competitors. They're going to get mad at this kind of stuff. I mean, there was another fight today um, with, like, no names. Yeah, there, so. that's, that's the thing is, like, there's always fights, regardless if it's Bill's camp, another NFL team. It, the reason why it was a story was because it was Josh Allen, right? Like you said, there's fights today with no names, and it's not going to be yeah, talked the, about, the, it, which does reward a more of a story. because what they they ran it was like a quarterback designed run on the goal line. Yeah, it was a QB draw. Yeah, and Jordan Phillips came up and gave him a shot. And if you're Jordan Phillips, right, like he's trying to prove himself after leaving the team, right? He's yeah. there's a crowd. It's a crowded tackle room this year with a lot of new faces, right? So he wants to besides Ed Oliver, it's basically a whole new cast of characters. You lost, um, you lost Harrison Phillips. You lost Starla Tulale. You lost, uh, what's his face, Vernon Butler. And so you got, like, Tim Settle coming in. You got Daquan Jones. You got uh, Jordan Phillips. Like, these guys are all trying to prove themselves to be able to say, like, I'm the guy. I'm going to be your guy here. And so what Jordan Phillips isn't going to just let Josh waltz in the end zone. He's going to do his job. So, I mean, if you're going to call yeah, a quarterback draw. Like, and you can do that without, like, like, the people out there probably listening. Some people are like, oh, you – 
doesn't matter. Like, you can't hit it. Like, you can still do your job, like you're saying, and not, like, obliterate him, right? Like, as he's yeah, crossing the goal like line. it's not like he's diving at his knees or anything. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't put too much stock into it. I mean, I like the fire from both those guys. Yeah, like, I honestly like it more than I didn't like it when I looked at it. Yeah. And people getting on Jordan Phillips, like, like I said, he's there to win a spot. He's there to prove himself. So, he's not going to just lay down for Josh Allen in training camp. I'm sorry. Like, I love Josh Allen. I hate to see him, uh, you know, get hurt or anything. But like, if the if the coaches are going to call a quarterback draw on the goal line, like, that's on them more than anything. If yeah. people are going to get start getting upset, um, I guess before we move on from training camp, was there anything else that you saw from the defensive side of the ball? Anything with like Ken Dorsey? Like, did the offense look any like different? To be honest, or like, I mean, obviously you were there for an hour at a Monday training camp. Like, yeah, you're not going to take away too much. But was no. there anything like defensively? I heard. I think you probably left before this, but I heard Tremaine Edmonds had like an unreal play. Were you there for that? I didn't see that, so I probably left before that happened. But from an offense perspective. I didn't see enough. They they didn't run enough plays for me to be like, oh, this offense looks completely different. Yeah. Um, I will say, the new punter, Ariza, looked pretty nasty. Oh yeah. He was booting. We, well, it. we drafted him this year. Yeah. And he, he looks pretty nasty. Like I would be worried if I'm Matt Hack out there. Yeah, I mean Hack, I was worried if I'm Matt Hack last year. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess that's good to hear. I mean, yeah, that guy has an absolute cannon of a leg from college. So, all right. Got to see him boot a few yeah. punts. Then, and Bass was looking nice kicking field goals. So, I mean, that's not a really a surprise, but he was booting some from like 60 yards. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, there's a, the training camp update. Um, I'm sure, you know, as, as the weeks go on and we get closer, maybe there's a little bit more juicier of stories from training camp as they get a little bit more serious. Uh, preseason week one, I believe is, well, I guess the hall of fame game is this week. So football is kind of back, like officially this week, the hall of fame game. I'm not sure who plays, but that's the first week of preseason. And then in terms of the bills, like when's their first preseason game? Do we know? It's a week from Saturday. I believe it's August 13th. Yes. Um, who they play? Oh, they play the Colts. The Colts. And that is at home. So. Okay, yeah, so the, you got this upcoming weekend, and then it's the following weekend. Is is Look at that. I mean, you got one more weekend that, to go through, and then since then, and then you come to August 13th for a first preseason game, and then until playoff, I mean, you're having football every week. So, because it rolls right into it, right? Oh, uh, there's, you're off Labor Day. Uh, okay, so then off Labor Day, and then football every week after yeah. that. All right. So only a couple more weeks, though, without football, and then we're kind of right into it. I, I think when preseason, when they actually play their first preseason game, we'll have a lot more to talk about. Just um, in terms of other, you know, lower like lower key players, too, I think every year we kind of do like our roster projections. I don't know if we'll do that again or not, but, I mean, look out for the, the rookies. Ethan, you know, mentioned the punter. Khalil Shakir getting a lot of hype. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fun time to see these guys in the preseason. Oh, and, and Elam was out there. Oh, that's right. He was kind of up and down in my opinion, but okay. I'm still high on him. Yeah. I heard actually like last week or so when he's getting integrated, like they put oven mitts on him. Cause I know that was like a big thing of like, he's like very physical and like he holds a lot. So like, I think they're doing a lot of drills with him that way, but I'm, I'm thinking he's probably gonna be slotted in to start this year. It seems that yeah, way. He's, he's playing with the starting defense. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So there's that uh, moving on. To the news that I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, Deshaun Watson suspension is finally official. It will be six games for Deshaun Watson. 
No appeal, I believe, is coming from Watson or, you know, who knows if Goodell and the NFL are going to do anything because I think the way it works is the NFL Players Association is the one who uh, put it before the judge or, I don't know, I'm not going to get into those details, but the fact of the matter is that six games to Sean Watson and as of right now, I, you know, would be very surprised if Watson tries to appeal that or something because, to be honest, to me, um, for someone not knowing too much of the actual situation, that seemed low. Um, it seemed just like kind of honestly a blessing for Browns fans. If if you're a Browns fan and and you're you know you obviously want Deshaun Watson to be playing, I feel like they would take that any day of the week. Um, so he'll be out for six games. Uh, initial thoughts and reaction to that. I mean, I think it's no surprise that everybody's up in arms about the suspension. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute joke that. He suspended six games when he has like thirty cases of sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and then you got guys like Kel- Kelvin Ridley who what gambled on a couple games and he's out for the entire year. It's just, I mean, it's a tale as old as time. The NFL just has no idea how to handle suspensions. It's it's mind boggling um, the way that they go about these things. It's like it's so random, right? Like how yeah. do they land on six games for a, something yeah. this serious? But I mean, and it will. And, and real quick before you go on there, it's like you look at, like you just said, you mentioned the Calvin Ridley stuff, and that's where that's where it just really uh, like opens eyes is because if you stack it up against previous suspensions in the NFL, and you like actually look at it as opposed to just alone by itself, and you put it up against other things, that's where it like really kind of boggles your mind because, like you said, Calvin Ridley, you guys got you got guys like Josh Gordon, right? Who's yeah. the weed thing was obviously a bigger deal back in the day, but that's. I think becoming a little bit more, um, you know, people are understanding it a little bit more now. I mean, he's that almost like kind of, you know, 25 plus games for that kind of stuff. Um, then you have even worse situ. I mean, I don't know. It just no- nothing ever really adds up, like you said, with their suspensions. So when you stack it up against the other ones that have happened and you look down the list, it's just like very, it sticks out like a sore thumb when you see six games next to Deshaun Watson for what he, for what he's accused of. So, Definitely came at low. Sorry to interrupt, though. You're, you're kind of going on. No, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say there. Um, how it affects the Bills. I mean, the Bills play the Browns this year, but not until November. So they are going to face Deshaun Watson, bearing any injury, bearing any other suspension that will come down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, in fact, he's only suspended six games and he does not get injured and the Browns plan on starting him, the Bills will see him. And that game is in Buffalo, so they the Bills fans will see him in Buffalo. I'm in sure. November. I'm sure he'll get a warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, that will be something to keep your eye on. The Browns. I mean, they're an interesting team. Say what you want about Deshaun Watson off the field, but I mean, on the field, he's if he comes back like we like he has. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ben, probably a top five quarterback in the NFL. And yeah. The Browns are already pretty stacked on defense. They already have some weapons on offense. So that really makes that team interesting. I still think like those six, ga- six games in the NFL is a lot, right? That's you know, a third of the season. I think it's the I think it's the easiest stretch of the season for the Browns, if I'm not mistaken. If the Browns are able to go 500 there, they could be a lethal team to watch out for down the stretch. So Browns' first six games of the season: Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots. So besides the Chargers and maybe the Patriots, it's a pretty weak schedule. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, who's their quarterback right now, too? The Browns? Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Um, I mean, Brissett, yeah. He's yeah. a guy that can win you a football game. So, I mean, they. I would not be surprised to see him go like four and two. So, does this – So does this? I, I think we were talking about this the other day a little bit, but does this like change your opinion on the AFC North at all? Cause, yeah, Because I had, I had the – I have the Ravens winning that division. I'm going to stick to my guns there. Yeah. But, I mean – I, I, yeah, I mean, I think you have to think about the Browns a little bit more. As like, I, I mean, before this suspension was ruled, probably a lot of people had Browns missing the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I would have had. I I think going into this, not knowing the suspension, I was assuming Watson was going to be out longer than six games. So I had the Browns basically battling with the Steelers to for third place in that division. And this is all assuming that Watson comes back to like the guy he is. Too. Well, that's my point. I think I I think I agree with you. I I still would. I still like the Ravens to win the division because um, I think co- cohesion has a lot with it, right? Like coming into a, a season in week seven, not being able to have the same amount of reps, the same chemistry, um, you know, yeah, just the on-field um, relationships with, with your teammates through the first six games. Like that's going to be tough just to come in. I don't care who you are, you know, come in week seven and, and ask to start winning football games. Like that's going to be a tough task. Um, I think they'll eventually figure it out, obviously, but I still like the Ravens to come out of that division. I just think the Browns are going to be a team where I think they could beat the Bengals for that second spot and maybe edge them out of a, a wild card. Like I think they could come in and take that, you know, seven seed and then be a real dangerous playoff team that nobody wants to face type of deal. A quick question on not as much of the on-field, you know, division stuff. How good the Browns are going to be because of this or whatever. I'm curious as to like if you know I don't know like what your what your thoughts are but I want to ask you like if you were a Browns fan or say obviously you're a Bills fan if you're a Bills fan and this kind of thing happened with your quarterback and I don't want to say Josh Allen because you know this hasn't happened to him and I don't want to basically if you were a Browns fan and this has happened with Deshaun Watson like would it be easy like I feel like it'd be like harder to root for the team oh yeah I like mean, but like I not have, for the team but. F- just like in general though like yeah. he, like you know what i mean like he's coming back like and i have like friends that are browns fan and, and i haven't really talked to him a ton about it but like i feel like they're i don't know i feel like they're cuz they that's the only thing. they've been bad for so long you have a good quarterback coming in but it's all this controversy like it, it almost sucks it's almost like it's like you finally have a chance to be good but it's under this circumstance where you're coming back with this guy that you know if you have any morals outside of the game of football that you probably wouldn't want to be rooting for and now he's on your team you know and he's by far the best quarterback you've had in a while. It's like, I don't know, it's just a weird situation. It's like hard to like separate the the game from his actions like outside of football. It's just a weird situation. Like, I don't know how I'd handle that. 
No, I, I agree. Like, you're going through these first six games, right, and you're battling, battling, because you know that your starting quarterback's coming right. back. But the reason he's coming back and he's suspended is for terrible reasons. Right. And you just shelled out hundreds of million dollars to the guy. So it's gonna that that that's gonna be I feel like must watch television. The first home Browns game when Deshaun Watson comes back and like they announce him, that's gonna be pretty crazy. Well, let's talk. Let's all that crazy, but also real quick. The other the other main thing that I take away from this is I'm the biggest Baker Mayfield fan of all time now. Like I ever since the the stuff about him and the way the Browns organization treated him, and then they go out and and offer. Deshaun Watson, all this guaranteed money without knowing what's going on, just the way they treated him. Like, I've always been a Baker fan. This made me more of a Baker fan. Week one, Browns and Panthers. Um, that's interesting. Even Deshaun's not not playing. Like, the fact that, like, Baker's playing the Browns in his first week, if he gets a starting role, you know, given that, you know, it's either going to be him or Darnold. But that's very interesting. Um, but it's just, the, the that's, I guess, from the fan perspective, what I was saying. Like, the, like the Browns organization just seems, this past year has just been off. I mean, the, the way they treat Baker... Super shady, tell him he's gonna be their guy, and then simultaneously, as they're telling him they like want him to be the guy, they're like trying to make works to trade for Deshaun Watson, and now they end up playing Week One. So that'll be interesting. Um, come that, I'm the biggest Baker Mayfield fan of the of, of all time now. Um, want him to do very well, and I'd love him to just bash the Browns' face in Week One. And 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 you know what? The other the other part that sucks about it. And I know this isn't like a Browns podcast, and we're kind of going on about it, but I've always like been a Browns guy. Like I've always felt for the Browns. Yeah, because they're kind of like the Bills. They're similar to the Bills. They're similar to Buffalo, where you know they struggled for a while. Blue collar city. They have solid fans. Um, you know, up north, gritty, blue collar, and and now I, now it's just like I don't know. It's different. It, they're, they're, it's not the same. It, it's hard to root for them. It's it was easy to root for them, and now it's hard to root for them. So, kind of sucks. Um, I mean, I honestly kind of hate every team in that division besides the Bengals now. I don't. I don't mind the Steelers. Yeah, I, I guess I don't mind the Steelers. I don't. I've never really had like that much like aggression towards that division. I feel like the Bills have never really like crossed paths with that division in like a bad way. Yeah, I just don't like the Ravens and the Steelers. Really, like yeah. they're just they're the perennial playoff teams. You know, like they're they're the they're kind of opposite of the Bills. But the I Browns. but I feel like well, you you've done many comparisons to the Bills and the Steelers though in recent memory in recent podcast you've been like i think the bills are kind of the new steelers because the thing is with the steelers well, I, is they're a blue killer they're like a blue collar city that have no, been the won. playoff have won a lot yeah. and a playoff team but they've handled it like not like a patriots type thing like they're they're always they're still like grounded i don't i feel like they're not as cocky like that's, that's fair that's fair you know maybe I mean? i'm more jealous of them than like hate them yeah because I, I think i remember you saying like you're they're almost you know the bills and this new bills team is almost taking over for that that steelers type team that they were for the past 10 or so years yeah i I would say I would say I hit the Ravens more than the Steelers, if anything. I just, I don't know. I just never had really that much animosity towards the AFC North. I, I I think I do remember saying that, but I think that was more early in Josh's career, right? When I said when I was saying that, because like now I don't I wouldn't compare them at all, like from a play style perspective. Well, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, everybody was comparing Josh to Big Ben. I think Josh is going to be. I mean, Big Ben was great in his prime, but I think Josh is going to be way better than Big Ben yeah, ever was. I, I agree. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know, the Steelers just are more historic, though, right? Because they were, a, they're like one of the original, like the Bears, Packers, Steelers, Cow- like Cowboys. Like, those are like the four, like probably the Giants. Like, mm-hmm. those are like the, you know, how the hockey has like the original six. I don't, you know, football doesn't really have, yeah. but those are like the original franchises. Bills came in later through the merger, and 
they've always been kind of a little brother like the Browns. So I get what you're saying. Like same blue collar Pittsburgh, they've definitely handled the winning better. They're definitely a franchise that I think the Bills kind of like looked up to. Like we can be what the Steelers are, but right. from like I think a reputation standpoint, the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise just has that prestige associated with it that the Bills don't. Um, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, they got the six rings. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I was just saying, because, like, for a team that's had, six, or for an organization that's had six rings, like, you'd, th- you'd think you'd, like, hate them more, if anything. Like, they're, like, yeah. what, the second, like, behind the Patriots now, because of, or, what, no, maybe they're tied now, six and six with the Patriots, because Brady got his seventh in, in Tampa. Um, but you'd think for a team that's just won so much, like, usually that team, right, the Yankees hate them. Um, but, I don't know, it seemed like they've, like, They've been a good fan base. And I lived there, so it's like I knew the fans. Like, they weren't, like, annoying or anything. I mean, some of them were, but that's going to be every fan base. Um, but, all right, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, I guess, Bills, Browns, and Deshaun Watson coming back. See what happens with the Browns. And, and just the whole, I mean, we've talked about it a ton, but the whole AFC just got a lot more interesting again. Like, it was already going to be a gong show going into the season. Now Deshaun Watson's for sure coming back after six games, so it just makes it that much more interesting. Um, and uh, should be an interesting season, but... Uh, I think we move on here and we close out the episode that we didn't have anything else to talk about. There wasn't anything. I mean, the Sabres obviously have been pretty dead. Um, the yeah. NHL in general. I mean, after the, the, I guess the one thing I'll say about NHL before we move on is just, there are still kind of a, a few big fish out there. I know. Oh, John Klingberg. I know that, you know, maybe a lot of Sabres fans wanted the Sabres to sign him. Um, not not so much over the past month or so, but more towards the end of the NHL season because he was a veteran right-hander. He ended up going to the Ducks. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. He signed with the Ducks. Um, and then, you know, Nazim Kadri. Like, there's a, actually a few, like, bigger fish that are still out there and available. So it should be interesting well, to see where they K- go. Kachuk. Oh, Kachuk. That yeah. trade. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, we can talk about that real quick. That was – I don't know what your thoughts on that were. I thought I thought Calgary – I thought Calgary fleeced him. Oh, you do? Yeah. I don't. I I like what Florida did way better. They got they got Huberto, they got Uyghur, and they got what a first round pick and another pick. They got a first round pick and a like a pros like a mid prospect. Huberto is, <laughs> what he was like a heart. He's like a the heart trophy candidate the past yeah, but, couple of years. But I I agree. Like going into this year, if you're looking at it from a right now perspective, hundred percent Calgary got the better package. But Huberto's. 30 31 and he's going to be a free agent next year the, okay well that that was that was the big key factor is if because huberto and we are both going to be free ufas next year right so that was maybe the the kicker if they both if they sign them I, maybe not fleece is the right word i thought it was a great trade for maybe both sides i thought calgary got the better but if they sign those that's a big if but if they are able to sign those guys I don't know. I think that was a lot to give up for, and Kachuk's really good, but, but like Huberto is, is really good. Uyghur's really good. A first round pick, which I know those guys are older, and maybe it won't align with their younger core. But I, f- yeah. I feel like Calgary still is. A, they still they were a playoff team this past year. Yeah, but they lost their two best forwards, one of their best defensemen in Gabranson, and I just Gabranson's not that good. Uyghur's way better than Gabranson. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I just think that neither though if neither of those guys sign there, it's going to look terrible. First of all, it's just a high risk trade, and second of all, Huberto is only going to get worse at this point. No, no, what? I I I think a hundred percent. He's thirty one, and the contract that he's going to come gonna, in, I think he's going to be good for the con- years to come. Okay, well, let's say he's good for the next couple of years. The contract that he's going to command, though, 
he's going to he's going to require like a five or six year deal based on his numbers. Like he's going to get that from somebody. And do you want to go commit five or six years at a high number? Like he's going to get like probably seven, eight, nine million dollars a year on that contract. Like that's going to be like an Oposo contract down the line. You know what I'm saying? Like that's going to be one three yeah, or four years just, down the road where you're like, dang, like that, like this guy's just not worth it anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's your. I guess that's your take that he's gonna fall off pretty quick. Then, like, I think that he's gonna be pretty good for the next few years. I think that he, if he commands five years after this year, I, I, I would be inclined but to pay him. Even if you can sign the guy. Yeah. No. If you take away the okay, let me say this though. Then, because I forgot about that aspect of the UFA. If you ta- if you just look at it from a strictly player value, and I know you can't do that, like you you have to like factor in the UFAs or whatever. But like, yeah, if you're talking on ice, like, like I think it was a pretty year. good like when I saw that when I first got the alert for it, and I saw Huberdeau was part of the package along with three other pieces just for K- Kachuk. I was like, wow, like they made up pretty good with that. Like I I would think that Kachuk or sorry Huberdeau, if Huberdeau was signed and it was like Huberdeau and a first round pick for Kachuk, I wouldn't bat an eye. And then on top of that, they got Weger. So like that's what made me really kind of like jump out and be like, wow, they got both of these guys. And a first round pick and another pick. It was just like a lot. I feel like for you know, if you Kachuk's great, you look back and at he his, scored like forty two goals. His first time in his career scored forty. Only scored thirty one other time in his career. Still a superstar. Um, he's like I just don't, I just don't know. If I just don't know if Florida's gonna be that good this year. To be honest. Oh, I I think they'll be good. I just I just well the the, the other th- funny thing about it real quick though was like like Kachuk and and I have nothing against Kachuk but like he's obviously gonna say like thank you Calgary and like. You know, I loved my time there and everything. Um, he was like, you know, par- pack barn all the time. Like, it was awesome. And I uh, loved, like, playing in front of, like, the, the city that knows their hockey but, like, knows when to back off and everything. It's like, you're going to a city that can't even sell out their rink now when your team is the best team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, it's a complete different switch up for that, like, that perspective. Um, it was just funny talking about that, like, and how much he, the reason he loved Calgary was because of the passionate fan bases, uh, or fan base, and, yeah, like, you're, you're going, going to the to, complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. Yeah. No, yeah, it's going to be a wake-up call. There. I mean, but he just got, he got paid, so I don't think he really cares, and right. he's going to, he's going to a team that, uh, you know, won their division, a lot of offensive firepower. I think they're still going to be very good. I agree, though, like, if you, going into this year, if you're judging Calgary, they got better from that trade right. for sure. Um, losing Gaudreau, like if you factor in Gaudreau, I don't know if they're better. Like, would you rather have Kachuk and Gaudreau versus Huberdeau and Uyghur? Yeah, I'd probably take Kachuk and Gaudreau. Right, it was just but, out of their hands. They, yeah. They'd do the best with yeah, what they like could. That's a different situation. Yeah. But with that trade, they definitely are better going into this year. I just think long term it's going to be way better for Florida because Florida's also cap-strapped. They have some other guys that are on the books that they have to pay and they're going to have to pay in the future. They had to make some decisions. They got Kachuk locked up for long-term, and he's only 24. Yeah. Like That's a guy you want to lock up at that yeah. number. So I think you know five years down – three, four, five years down the line, that's going to be way better for Florida. Yeah. Calgary, there's no guarantee they sign these guys. The one thing they're I, probably thinking their window is still like right now, and they're gonna try to just do, like make a run this year. Or something. I get, I guess that's so. like probably what they're trying yeah. to do. They're probably looking at the Pacific, and I mean, it's the Pacific's pretty wide open. You, you got Edmonton, right? You got Vegas, Seattle. Is Seattle and Pacific? Yeah, but Seattle's not making a run this year. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. they're not good. Yeah, Seattle, the Kings, and the Ducks. Like all those teams aren't really gonna. Oh, make the it. Kings. The Kings are gonna be good. Yeah, I the Kings will be pretty good, but I just think yeah, the Calgary's probably like yeah, we got we definitely have you know we have a playoff team last year, got better this year. We'll see if we can sign these guys. Maybe they they will sign these guys before the season starts, but yeah. 
my question to you is with that trade, comparing it to the Jack Eichel trade, because they're similar in age, um, similar situations where guys, like both guys clearly wanted to get out of there, right? Like yeah. neither of them wanted to resign and they kind of forced their way out. Similar returns, but like, would you rather the Calgary return or the Buffalo return based on those two trades? Because it was both four pieces. Yeah. I would rather, for the, for, for the Sabre situation, I'd rather the Buffalo's return. I would have, yeah, I, I would, I would have rathered the for the for the reasons that you that basically you laid out of why you know you liked the the trade from the Florida side. Um, those reasons are absolutely valid, and and why I would rather the the same. I mean, way younger guys and that and way more future. That that's the that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's what I I think the Sabers got a better trade out of it, and I think I think Kachuk's the better piece, which is crazy for me to say. That, like you would rather have Kachuk than Eichel. Yeah, really. I think he's a way be- more valuable. Yeah, to a team he does a lot. He's because like I know you said like he's only scored forty once. He's only scored thirty once, but outside of scoring, let me the, fact check that. The guy, I know he's put up twenty goal seasons for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. He's really good. He's a superstar. Yeah, yeah. I'm not denying that. And everything that we hate on Eichel for, like Kachuk stays healthy. He battles. He plays defense. He's like a Marshawn where he's like feisty getting under your skin he's like the guy that you don't want to play against right he's just an absolute bear to play against he'll he'll line up against uh the other team's top line and shut you down he does everything outside of just scoring eichel's the complete opposite where like probably from a scoring perspective yeah eichel's probably a better pure scorer than kachuk but outside of that kachuk does everything else better and he doesn't get hurt like i i think that it's crazy like they got similar packages, but I think that's when I'm looking at this. I'm like, Florida kind of made out, and they got this sick player for giving up guys that they are probably not going to be able to sign anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I mean, I'm biased, and, and maybe that goes into yours a little bit too, but I'd probably rather Kachuk. I mean, I just it's hard for me to have any conversation with Eichel nowadays. I just still hate the guy. and But a lot of what you're saying is true. I mean, like, he, he still scores at a – Kachuk, I'm talking about, he still scores at a rapid clip. Like, he's just had 42, and I know we talked about his his other stats the other years. Um, but, I mean, he didn't play a you know, full season in those other years. I mean, he, yeah, he's a he's a superstar in the NHL. Like, I've said that before. I'll say it again. And, um, yeah, I guess I'd probably, uh, yeah, screw it. I'd rather have him the Eichel. Like, I, I, I mean, have no like, problem saying that. If you, if you pull, I don't think it's just us, too. I mean, if you pull majority of hockey fans – and you're, you're Florida and you're Vegas, and you go, would you trade Kachuk for Eichel one for one? They're basically at the same contract. I mean, Eichel's making $10 million a year. Kachuk's making nine and a half. Both signed long-term. Like, would you make that trade? I think if I'm Vegas, I say yes. If I'm Florida, I say no. Like, I I think Kachuk makes your team better than Eichel does. Yeah. Hard to disagree there. Um, so that was the little NHL roundup. Um and I don't know if we even said this maybe a few weeks ago when it happened or whatever. I think we did touch on it because we, we, there's a chance to bash on Vegas. We did about them trading Max Patrick for nothing. I actually do remember talking about that. So speaking of Vegas and Eichel real quick, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they do this year. Hopefully they keep declining. But yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I think if you ask Sabres fans for sure, they would say they would have, have Kachuk just because of their hatred towards Eichel. But I think if you do pull other NHL fans, 
it might be closer than you think, but I think yeah, probably the majority would rather have Kachuk. You know, we should. I mean, I don't think it's, it's hard to work. pull. It's hard to pull it if you're us because our yeah, majority of our followers are. Yeah. You know, it would Buffalo probably be fans. very lopsided, but we should do it anyway just to see. Yeah, <laughs> just for validation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there was that. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else then that just kind of popped up into my mind. A little NHL news to round out the episode, and then I think we'll finish this off with the guest of Buffalo sports figure just for the fun of it. Um, first one that we're doing in person. We usually do them over Zoom because we're not in the same city, but this time in person maybe makes it a little bit easier for the guesser. Um, we'll see how we do. I need to think of someone. Do you have someone in mind? Um, give me one second. Let me think of. All right. I got to think of someone as well, but there won't be any delay this time as we're doing the questions and stuff. So no excuses on not getting it. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I got somebody. Okay. Um, can you bring up a timer? Yeah. I just, I'm bringing up his Wikipedia so I don't say anything. Uh, don't say anything. All right. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. It's uh, 45 seconds, yeah? Yep. All right. Ready? Go. Go. Uh, Sabres. No. Bills? Yes. Is he a player? Yes. Is he playing right now? No. Is he uh, an offensive player? Yes. He's an offensive player not playing right now on the Bills. Did he play in the 90s? No. Did he play in the drought area? Yeah. Um, is he a quarterback? No. He's a running back? Yes. He's a running back, uh, drought air running back. Fred Jackson? Yes. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I could have guessed another drought air running back. Um, trying Marshawn to think. Lynch, I was, I was thinking Marshall Lynch. You already gave me Marshall Lynch, though. Who else is there? Travis Henry, CJ Spiller. CJ Spiller. Okay. Um, all right. Fred Jackson. Let me look up my guy. I, had, I do have someone in mind. Um, wait one second. Pretty solid showing, though. All right, you got your timer out? Yep. Tell me when you're ready. Okay, I am ready. All right, three, two, one, go. go. Uh, Bills? Yes. Uh, player? Yes. Uh, quarterback? No. Running back? No. Offense, def- defense? No. Offense. Yes. Receiver. Yes. Uh, playing right now. No. Uh, playing in the nineties. He did play in the nineties. Uh, did he play most in the two thousands? No. Uh, majority of his NFL career was in the two thousands. Is he in the eighties numbers? Yes. Lee Evans. No. Peerless Price. No. Uh, Eric Molds. Yes. <laughs> Solid. All right, boys, both got him there. Um. Eric Moulds, Fred Jackson to round out the episode. Episode 145 of One Before I Die. Thank you guys for listening in. Go Bills, go Sabres as always. NFL preseason coming around the corner. Bills coming around the corner. A lot more stuff coming your guys' way. So thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Peace.